0: Talk about the progress of your team the last few seasons. There seems to be a progression going that you have to be proud of. Yeah, it's a uh, you know it's a program that you know that Coach Stoops uh, has really taken up to the stratosphere. If you look at it from a uh, from a standpoint that I'm in, uh, for me being a Kentucky kid and growing up, you know, being around Kentucky football my whole life, and uh, uh, you know, growing up, you know, you can't say that if it that you can say that it was inconsistent. You know, with um, you know, if we go to some bowl games here and then we'd fall off to, you know, maybe three or four wins and then we get back to a bowl game one year and then back to five or six wins. Um, you know, and Coach Stoops, you know, had a, he had a pretty rough go, you know, his first couple years here. Two and nine, I think, was his first year and then uh, five and seven or something like that in the next couple of years. Uh, but my freshman year when we got here, you know, the first building block was laid down, you know, when we made our first bowl game since 2011. And then after that, you know, the next block, you know, was being going back to a bowl game, back-to-back consecutive bowl games. And I think that's one thing, you know, that BBM was looking for. More importantly was just consistency uh, from our football team. Uh, and then last year, obviously, was the, uh, another step, a stepping stone, which was making that New Year's Eve game and beating a, uh, you know, a powerhouse like Penn State, um, you know, on, on, uh, on national television, like the way we did. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, now say that, well, you know, you lost Josh, you lost Benny, you lost your whole secondary, basically. So they pick us to lose so many games. They give us 1% chances to win the East. They say all this stuff and that. But what they don't realize is that, yeah, you got a straight view of Josh and Benny and all the guys we had because of how dominant they were during the season – because you didn't get to see the guys behind them because of how dominant Josh and Benny and those guys were. And um you got to see a little bit of them. I mean, you got to see Cavassier, Smoke and Chris Rodriguez against Louisville. Both of them had unbelievable touchdowns that showed unbelievable power and speed, you know, that just like Benny has. And I got to go against I got to go against them every day, you know, in a scout team period. And, uh, you know, Cavastier is like a he's like a little bowling ball, man. You know, he's uh, he runs hard and he runs fast. And when he hits you, you're, you know, you're going to feel it. And Chris is the same way. I'm, I, I think from a body standpoint, if you look at him, Chris is kind of built like Saquon Barkley. I tell him that all the time. I was like, dude, you're like the way you, built, you know, walk around like this, looking like a big tree trunk. I mean, you look like Saquon out there. But – and just from uh, an edge standpoint, I mean, you look – people say, well, what about Josh? And they say, well, I mean, you can't replace Josh because Josh is Josh. You know, you're not going to find too many 6'6", 261, you know, defensive ends out there that look like Superman. So, you know, how do you replace that? Well, you know, when when you talk about with with having Coach White come in as our new defensive coordinator, he coached Josh, taught Josh the fundamentals, gave Josh the tools – and he brings a professional mindset of being with the Colts, and now that he's taken over our defense, he's kind of putting a twist on our, you know, our schemes and our coverages, you know, kind of like what he did with the Colts. And, I, and I've used this example a bunch today, but one of them being is that, you know, one of his years being with the with the Indianapolis Colts, um, I can't remember which player it was. It might have been, if I was guessing, probably Dwight Freeney because he's the only, you know, defensive player that's just dominant there that I know, but. Um, I think he had like 17 or 18 sacks one year, led the AFC or whatnot. uh, But the team total was only like 25, 26, 27. And then the next year, that player wasn't playing or got traded or something. And Coach White at that time, uh, their defensive coordinator, took what they were doing and said, okay, we kind of built this defense around such and such last year. Kind of like how our defense is kind of built around Josh. I mean, because if you look at all of our – because we're a 3-4 defense – and we have a fourth rusher, nine times out of ten, the fourth rusher is going to be the jack because it's Josh. I mean, why wouldn't you rush him? Look at him and look what he can do. So taking our basic defensive calls and being able to make adjustments to where it frees not only the jack up, but it frees me up, it frees the Will up, it frees the Sam up, it frees the strong safety up, it frees the free safety up. We can bring corner blitzes. We can bring pressure from the boundary. All that different stuff. It's almost like how how an offense can run the same play out of three different formations. We can run the same pressure out of three different, almost three different looking formations, or it could be the same blitz, but from a two, two or three different positions. Who's going to be our fourth rusher? Type deal. And so when you saw that, and they did that with the Colts after that guy, after after whoever they were, uh, whoever had the leading sacks left or whatever, the individual sacks numbers went down. But the team sack numbers skyrocketed to almost, I think, 40 almost, he told me. So if we can take that and almost use it to our advantage to hear Kentucky like they did in Indianapolis, I think we're going to be just fine. We have a question to your right against the wall. Hey, Cash. Michael Brandon from Saturday Down South. I wanted to ask you about participating in the Super Bowl commercial. What was your experience there? And uh, what do you think the message was that Kentucky not only put that out there, but let you be featured in it? Oh, was pretty cool. I'm I'm glad they let me start my acting career with that. So uh, it was pretty fun. Uh, They came in and they had cameras like your all's, but uh, they they had like this big, like hold a grip on it. And I was like, man, how expensive is that camera? He said, well, do you know this camera right here made Avengers Endgame? I was like, ooh. That's pretty that's a lot of money right there, so I knew it was it was a pretty serious production and it was funny because uh have you guys had logan in here yet Stenberg, did you guys ask him about how, if he laughed at me during that you didn't ask him about it you guys missed out on a good question <laughs> but uh so it was like a it was a, they we they brought us in our uh, in our uh like our team we call it relax room we go in our shoot pool or whatever and uh they had the lights and tape marked off where everybody was we're supposed to be standing and they gave me the script and told me how they wanted me to read it and everything and and i would never done that before like that was my first time like reading a script like everything you see me you know yelling screaming acting a fool you know comes from my heart so it's kind of hard it was kind of hard for me at first to read something and be passionate about it because you know I, it, it didn't come from me so I didn't know how to I didn't know how to do it at first to be quite honest with you and that's how. Logan and them you know started dying laughing at me after the third or fourth word. I started screaming so uh, we were there we were there a long time though we were there for about four or five hours just because of how many takes we had to do, but it was overall it was fun uh, you know the fans enjoyed it, and i got we got a lot of really good feedback from it. you know we had that promotional video where I said to, for people to watch it and video it, you know, and tape their reaction and thing. We had a bunch of, you know, bunch of reactions, and it was really fun to see, you know, little kids and, you know, their parents, you know, making out C-A-T-S, cats, 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 and, you know, watching the video and, you know, screaming and in their living room. Um, it was pretty fun. Question here in the middle. The Got two back. questions. Um, the first, who were some of the U.K. guys you looked up to growing up in Paintsville? And two, what does John Sumrall bring to this coaching staff and to the team? Uh, as a kid growing up, when, when watching Kentucky, you know, one guy you thought of was Jacob Tamme, um, you know, a Kentucky boy from Bourbon County, uh, and how he, you know, conducted himself, you know, not only on the on the field but off the field as well, and how hard he played, uh, you know. So Jacob was always uh, Jacob was always a favorite of mine. Then uh, obviously. Uh, Probably either Randall Cobb or Andre Woodson, just because of you know how infamous those guys were at playmaking and what uh, what Randall's been able to do with uh, the Packers and now the uh, the Cowboys. Uh, you know it's just unreal what those guys have done and with this, in, the, in the games that I was actually there to see them play. Uh, no matter how, no matter you know what happens, I'll never be able to forget that. And my then boss. Sumrall, Sumrall, yeah, Coach, uh, he's 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 my coach, man. He's if you had a if I had to have a coach that was kind of like me uh it'd be him he's he's me, he's the me version of a coach so um he's very fiery you know he's got a lot of energy uh and you can tell he, he cares a lot and has got a lot of passion for uh for this team and that's in this room it means a lot to him you know because you know he's a Kentucky alum you know he came here he always jokes he jokes about it all the time he said he's boys I played here whatever he goes uh I made 75 trips my senior year I'm not gonna call them tackles I'll call them trips because I didn't I didn't tackle <laughs> and he always say that. It's just, he keeps the room lightened up, man. And you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, and I think it helps young guys learn because you know if it's, you know, a uh, an easy setting to learn in that kind of environment where, you know, the coach isn't always just going to go off on you for the least the slightest mistake. Um, you know, I think that you know that helps that helps guys learn and uh, it helps bring guys together closer. Right here in the middle. You're obviously very confident in the team you're bringing back this year. So keeping in mind what you accomplished last year, what is the new expectation for Kentucky football? Get to Atlanta. You know, we went 10-3 and last year. We came up, you know, pretty short. We had the biggest game of, you know, Kentucky football history in Lexington. Uh, got embarrassed. And uh, that's it. So we have to come back this year with a stronger mindset and a stronger mentality of, you know, 10-3 is not acceptable. Coming second or runner-up in the SEC East is not acceptable. And uh, so that's been our whole goal throughout our winter conditioning program, throughout spring ball, uh, and throughout our summer workouts heading to fall campus, you know, take it up a notch. Like I was talking about going back to that building block method. You know, like I said, first year, bowl game, second year, bowl game, third year, beat Penn State. Who says this year the final step in my career and in my class's career, get to Atlanta. But not only get to Atlanta, but to win in Atlanta. Because if you're going to – because if you get there, you might as well win it. Right here in the front row. You mentioned uh, Logan earlier when he was mm-hmm. uh, in here somewhere. I was talking about you guys go head-to-head a lot. <sighs> and you said you're two are the toughest, toughest hitters on the team and you trash talk a lot. What's your relationship like on the practice field and then off with him? It's, it's, uh, it's awesome. Just because me and, me and Logan, we, we have this mindset of, you know, this is how football should be played. And uh we think football should be played with uh, you know, an edge and a sense of violence about you. And the way that we hit each other in practice when he comes on a pool scheme, we uh we compare it to like just two Rams just, just hitting each other and just not moving. They just stand there. And that's exactly what it is. Like none of us either budge this way or that way. It's just a head on collision like two Rams butting each other. And uh but the good thing about going up against Logan in practice is that I don't have to look for a guy to bring out intensity in me. It's already there because I'm going to have to match his intensity and able to win that down. Because if you don't match his intensity or, you know, go above it, then you ain't got a shot. Last question against the wall on the right. Cash, hopefully after a lengthy NFL career, but have you given any thoughts to life after football I think I've seen videos of you smashing dudes through tables and whatnot. Any professional wrestling or media personality in your future? Uh, you know, man, I'd, I'd like to like go on like the the Pat McAfee route. You know, just go play play me some years in the NFL, go to Barstool. Why isn't Barstool here? That's one question. I don't see Big Cat or PFT or those guys here. Kind of makes me sad. We got to fix that. But uh, you know. Um, after football, man, it's just uh, I like to, I like to bass fish a lot. big quite honestly, I mean, professional wrestling's cool. Shout out to the club, my boys AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows. But um, you know, I just bass fishing and professional wrestling is just something that you know I, I like to do or like to watch or do. You know, when I'm not in football, so just be able to do that and uh, have fun with it. But yeah, if the, if, if the WWE came knocking and if I had nothing going on, then. Be kind of hard to tell Vince McMahon, no.